Welcome to Hit the Brakes, where we dive into the top stories, market trends, and ins and outs of the supply chain. No matter if you're tuning in from the cab of your truck, behind your desk, or on your daily commute, we're glad you're here and we're ready to serve you. Let's get this show on the road. This episode is part one of our three-part series from the Freight Forecast, Truckload Rate and Market Trends Webinar with ACT Research. This episode is all about demand conditions in the 2024 freight market. Make sure to join us next time when we look at supply conditions and again for part three when we will bring all this together and talk about what the data means for you. On behalf of Fetch Freight and Act Research, uh, let me say welcome. Um, we hope, hope our time today will be beneficial as we kick off what will surely be another interesting year in transportation. And at the end of the day, we're, we're here to, to review the January 2024 ACT report uh, uh, freight forecast. You know, and I wanted to say, um, inter inter interestingly enough, we've been working on this for roughly six months. And I thought it was interesting that we did not finalize today's agenda until Monday. And I think that really speaks to how fluid things are in this industry um, how quickly things can change and how we all have to um, be on our toes and, and looking, looking around the corner, uh, so to speak. So um, with that being said, let's get started. So uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we appreciate all that, that ACT Research does for us here at Fetch and, and the industry as a whole and educating us and helping us prepare for changes in markets and just knowing how to plan for what's ahead. So with that being said, uh, welcome Tim and, and let's dig in. So um, container rates are, are way up over the, the last few weeks. And um, can you tell us a little bit about why that is and what impacts uh, this could have on the year ahead? Absolutely. First off, thanks Mitchell for, for having me and, and we appreciate uh, the work that you do and, and uh, um, we appreciate the partnership as well. Uh, you know, as we start to look at the uh, the the outlook for for 2024, I think it's really fascinating right now. And really, probably the source is 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 just this 94% uh, spike in global ocean container spot rates in the first two weeks of the year. It's a nice way to kick it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, not nice if you're a shipper. <laughs> yeah. But, right. Um, oh. Interesting way to kick it off. Uh, you know, certainly uh, there's a lot of disruptions uh, across the oceans. Uh, it's not just what's happening uh, that we're hearing about pretty much every day in the news right now um, in the Red Sea, uh, but the Panama Canal issue has been brewing for quite some time. Uh, and I think the confluence of those two things, um, neither of which seems like it's going to end soon, uh, are, are starting to really press uh, freight um, in a lot of different directions around the globe. Um, you know, the... Uh, the capacity uh, impact from rerouting ships from the Suez uh, around the Cape of Good Hope, which is largely what's, what's happening right now, um, is really significant on the ocean. And um, and and <clears throat> I think demand is recovering in general. I think we're, we're seeing some, some good signs um, regarding U.S. goods consumption trends, uh, and we can get into that more. But uh, uh, I think the biggest factor... Um, in this jump it is that that supply pinch uh, on the ocean. So 100% of that's not going to transfer over into you know surface freight, but but there's going to be some really interesting uh, reverberations and, and implications through the year. Okay. Yeah, Tim, I just want to read out a couple stats, but 
you know, you mentioned the Cape of Good Hope and, you know, I think for the casual observer and for many of the attendees, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it in the news cycle, you're hearing about the Houthi rebels, uh, the impacts on container shipping through the Red Sea. Yeah, uh, recent print is 80% of the container freight through the Red Seas rerouted along the Cape, including Maersk, who ceased operations through the Red Sea. Um, I, I think that's that's pretty interesting. But overall, these two issues you highlighted, the Suez Canal and volumes, you know, decreasing through there, as well as, you know, the water level issues, challenging throughput with uh, the Panama Canal. Overall, the impact is what? Is that East Coast port imports will be a challenge, you know, logistically. Lead times going around the Cape, you know, increase significantly, has impacts on restocking, impacts on inventory. But is the big winner the West Coast in this situation? I think yes. I think that's the uh, the very clear answer is, is that uh, you know, we've had this big shift over the past couple of years uh, to all water shipping to the East Coast, uh, really taking advantage of that deeper Panama Canal. And that's just not available right now. And and so uh, that is uh, is quickly shifting back to the West Coast. Uh, and so, you know, from a global just mode perspective, you know, ocean's going to lose share to land this year. That's interesting. I think when when you think about the West Coast is, you know, potentially this big winner of this volume for imports. Um, thinking back to the pandemic, you know, there's probably a lot of trauma and scar tissues for those who were involved with that type of operation. You think about the the videos and the images of, of container ships <clears throat> anchored off of port. You had, uh, you know, union labor constraints also at the ports. What's mm -hmm. different this time around? You know, if I'm a if I'm a shipper and importer, I'm you know maybe hearing this probably brings up some bad memories. But are, are conditions different today than they were in the pandemic that that might be able to facilitate that volume? Well, that's a good question. Actually, the, the labor point is is a is a really um, interesting different this time because uh, you know a couple of years ago it was the West Coast uh, labor negotiations, and uh, coming up this year we have East Coast labor negotiations, and so uh, so that you know only serves to reinforce that that trend pushing pushing towards the West. Uh, for now, um, I do think that uh, a lot of capacity has been been put in place on um, the intermodal network, uh, and I think. Um, that continues to uh, um, to be a big question, frankly, of, of how uh, the uh, the network can can scale up this year. Uh, we're experiencing some cold weather right now, and, and um, you know we can talk more about that. But the, the intermodal volumes are, are under a little bit of pressure uh, just this week, uh, and we're seeing um, some of that start to to spark some activity in the uh, the truckload spot market this week. That's interesting. You mentioned intermodal. I was actually kind of curious, you know, with these imports coming in and, you know, potentially landing, you know, maybe unexpectedly, you know, higher in the West Coast this, this coming year, kind of as a result of, you know, some of these ocean challenges. Is intermodal the big winner when it comes to U.S. surface freight? I think overall, yes. That's that's a, that's an easy question to say yes to from like a proportionality perspective because it's just, it's a, it's not a huge piece of the overall freight network. It's going to have the biggest impact. Uh, but uh, it'll be really interesting to, to to see if if the intermodal network sort of can grow more than mid single digits this year. We we recently raised our, our forecast just a little bit from five percent growth to six percent growth, thinking that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, goodness, there's so much demand, but 
what's holding our forecast back is just is frankly just not having the conviction that um, that the capacity is going to be able to to respond. That's interesting, and, and I think you know we've got up here even on the slide, uh, you know, just projections of inventories and and restocking continues to be. You know, such a prominent headline of, you know, have we worked down our inventory levels low enough, the resilience of the consumer? Um, this, you know, when you're forecasting shipment volume, and you can even see down on the bottom right, your, your shipment forecast um, through the cash report, you know, you're projecting 5% year-over-year growth by the end of the calendar year. Something you just kind of alluded to is that, you know, this could be a, a year of growth on the shipment front. Is this restocking narrative, particularly when you think about ocean freight and container uh, challenges. Um, is this the narrative? Is is that a, a key part of, of what to, is going into the forecast on volumes? Yeah, absolutely. Inventories are a big piece of the equation this year and, and a huge shift from the 18-month destock that we've just been through. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest stories of 2024 is, is shifting back into restock mode. And the retail restock is certainly still debatable. There's certainly some places in retail that probably could still stand to destock further. Uh, but uh, we've already you know, done so much destocking that uh, just going back to a, a, a more static inventory environment would actually add to freight relative to last year. Uh, and that's where you get some of those easy comps sort of later later this year and, and you get those um, mid single digit growth rates. Uh, but coming back to what's happening on the ocean, um, you know, you talked about the scar tissue earlier a, a, a few years ago. I think a lot of shippers are under stress right now uh, in, in terms of keeping supply chains moving and all that stuff that was, you know, it's being delayed around the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, you're hearing about plants um, having to take some downtime here and there, uh, which is extremely expensive. So uh, in the short term, that certainly, um, you know, uh, supports air freight, which is you know, one of the only ways to avoid uh, those types of, of downtime. And I think that's that's probably happening um, in many you know places just to uh, to keep things moving. Uh, but we are you know from a freight volume perspective overall, we're, we're pretty well below trend. If you look at the uh, the CAS uh, freight index, uh, the shipments component as a uh, uh, as a good benchmark. And the forecasting you know to get back to to a pretty decent growth environment you know keeps us even below trend. I think uh, you know through most of this year, and and um, I'm, I'm not expecting us to get back above trend until sort of well into twenty five. I think, you know, one thing, you know, I think even we we spoke about this a couple of days ago um, when we were kind of talking through the report, but, you know, the container challenges, the spike in price, inventory restock, you know, a lot of times when you think about inventory restock, it's in preparation for demand. You just kind of talked about production lead times and, you know, ultimately, you know, rerouting along the Cape of Good Hope, all that inventory that's in transit um, is, is seeing longer lead times, you know, if they reroute. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious, is this kind of leading into more of a potentially a supply driven restock versus a demand uh, driven restock, you know, trying to get out in front of the capacity rates? Um, do you think that this could kind of generate maybe a, a, a shuffle to try and secure this capacity and, and ensure that they do have their raw materials and their uh, inbound goods from, you know, Asia and some of those markets? Um, do you think that that could be leading some of this inventory push? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that's that's what those the, those spikes in rates will tell you is that uh, shippers are out there basically saying, hey, we have to build safety stocks at this point. Uh, now, to some extent, that'll offset some of the need to <clears throat> rebuild inventories later this year, you know, from just that consumer driven uh 
trend, which which is still very you know early on. We did get a really nice uh, retail sales uh, number for December just yesterday. Those can be pretty volatile. That's the first reads, but but it looks good. Uh, and um, <clears throat> eventually, I do think that will that retailers will need to restock. Uh, you know, just just because the U.S. consumer is uh, has reached that point, um, and and we we have gone through as you can see on that chart on the the top right there, we have gone through the longest and deepest destock uh, on record outside of recessions. Um, you know, yeah. So um, so we're already you know we've. <laughs> Arguably, it's it's tough to find the right inventory to sales ratio, I suppose, for the overall economy. But uh, but I think there's uh, there's a real strong case that um, that shippers. Uh, well, I'm not su suggesting that there's a you know mad dash for capacity just yet. I mean, capacity generally in the industry is um, is going from from loose to kind of balanced and is 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 in that early stage. But as this year progresses, I, I think things will um, will progressively tighten. I think there's, I just want to read out a couple statistics. Um, this is from deep in the report. I wanted to just get in the macro just very briefly, but, you know, act research, you know, your report is, is kind of predicated on a 2% base case for GDP in 24. Um, the wisdom of the crowds is betting, betting on interest rate cuts coming this year. It looks like your team's forecasted three 25 basis point cuts uh, to come through in this year. I, I think just for the casual observer again, and for the attendees, when you think about this this narrative of rate cuts coming, you know, outside of the consumer, more about the freight market, will these rate cuts be enough to serve as a tailwind, uh, or will this kind of keep us close to par for the economic forecast as as current? You know, is this more soft landing uh, relative to current state, or could this potentially be a tailwind for growth? You know, if these cuts do come to fruition. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question, and I think I think that kind of pushes us forward. <clears throat> 25 forecast a little bit. I, I think, um, you know, one of the Fed presidents, um, Bostic, said uh, just yesterday, uh, or maybe even today, that he uh, wasn't expecting rate cuts to begin until the second half, which which seems like a reasonable expectation right now. And um, to the extent that they start cutting in the second half, that's, I think, going to provide some fuel for growth in 2025. I don't think it's going to impact 24 too much, over, you know, one way or another. Uh, I think the sort of optimism in general and, and um, I guess, relief, if you will, that, uh, that inflation um, has come down so much. Um, I think that certainly, you know, is a good sign for growth um, in, in the near term. Uh, but, you know, my gut right now at the moment would suggest that um, that expectation for three cuts next year um, is a little bit of a risky expectation. And, you know, uh, financial markets are smarter than me, I guess. But uh, uh, but what I would suggest is as we're looking at this spike in global container freight rates and the likelihood that overall freight rates are going to start rising this year, um, that's one of the, the disinflationary factors that has helped the overall macro conditions to ease. Certainly energy prices are a piece of that and oil prices are still pretty low. Uh, so in general, I think <clears throat> disinflation, you know, that, that trend should continue, but there are risks that uh, the labor market is still very tight. Uh, initial claims this morning were ridiculously low. Uh, we're, we're still a very strong U.S. job market, uh, and that's going to uh, continue to put some upward pressure on inflation too. So, uh, <clears throat> all those things suggest that maybe we won't get three rate cuts next year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. We, we, I think the BLS actually came out with some data today showing you know jobless claims were were much lower than what was expected. So. 
I, I think this is this continues to be kind of a wait and see. You know, a lot of these uh, factors that that maybe were forecasted months ago have not yet come to fruition. You know, the the odds of recession even in last year tail end of twenty twenty three didn't happen. Consumer resiliency continue. It looks like for this year, you know, the the uh, economics team at ACT is is projecting about a fifteen percent chance of recession. Basically, sticking to the soft landing narrative. Um, if the interest rate pivot does not come to fruition in 2024, you know, uh, what should we expect from a freight market volume standpoint? Uh, I, I would expect that would be a headwind to current forecasts. Would that be accurate? Well, <clears throat> other things equal, yes. But I think that would be in the context of a really strong economy. So uh, so I think um, it, probably no major impact. I think that would be supportive of, of the forecast overall. And so... Um, so I think, you know, while the, the narrative overall from a big picture perspective does not suggest that we're going into a, you know, any sort of severe recession at this point, um, you know, there's certainly still some, some risks from higher interest rates that, that are out there and, and, you know, savings rates are kind of low and, um, there's, there's some concerns for sure, but, uh, that soft landing narrative, um, you know, seems like, uh, seems like the most likely outcome at this point, but all that said, if you look at the cash freight index again, we've been through about an 18 month downturn in the freight markets. So, uh, so while there was no, you know, I guess the overall economy is going to hit a soft landing, but you know, we, there have been some rolling recessions, including in our sector. Thanks for joining us on Hit the Brakes podcast. Want to know more about today's episode? Visit fetchfreight.com to connect with someone from our team, get a quote, join our carrier network, and more. Check out the show notes below for specific links mentioned in the episode.